came before Prabhupada and he could see that they had some some doubts on their mind, so he said, well, what is, what is your question? He said, well, Prabhupada, you're always, uh, speaking about very high topics. Our ideal is very high and, and so forth. And he said, we have been practicing now strictly for, for 10 years. 10 years plus we've been practicing. And our doubt is that those high things that you're talking about, they're not coming in us. After 10 years of practicing, we're not getting all those high things. And uh, Prabhupada said, oh, I'm relieved to hear that. If you had said, after 10 years, you were getting all those high things, then I would be worried. So, <laughs> 10 years, 20 years is, is a short period of time. It's a very high I- ideal. Mm. He used to also say, Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta, that we should not be so concerned to sit in, in, in bhajan in this life. We should not be so concerned that uh, I'll have to sit in, in, in my bhajan and in this life. He's saying it, it may take time. You should be prepared for that. If you know what it is. You know, Mahaprabhu's had an associate named Mukunda, and Mukunda made uh, made some offense to the Lord. The Lord took exception to something that he did. can't recall what it was, but he then said that the, he didn't want to see Mukunda. He had to stay at a distant place. So he was keeping himself at a distant place, but naturally the compassionate devotees went to see him, how he was faring, in the separation from Mahaprabhu at the order of the Lord himself. And he said, uh, I have only one question. You please place it before Mahaprabhu. What is the question? And he said, when will I again have the darshan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? So they went back, fair enough, to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And, and uh, they said, we have seen Mukunda. And Mahaprabhu said, what does he say? And they said, well, he has uh, asked us a question. When will we, he again get your darshan? And Mahaprabhu said, tell him not for a million lifetimes. They were mortified, as you can imagine, not only by what Mahaprabhu said, but by the fact that they had to go now and tell that to Mukunda as well. They went and they told, Mukunda said, so did you go? Yes. Did you pose my question? Yes. And what did he say? Hanging their heads, one of Mahaprabhu's associates volunteered the answer that Mahaprabhu said, you will not get his darshan for a million births. Mukunda began to dance and sing, Haribol, Haribol, in great joy. And they said, "Um, did you hear what we said? (laughs) Well, not for a million births you will get Mahaprabhu's association. And how you, and you're dancing and, ch- and celebrating. He said, yes, because I know, I wanted to know if I will ever get it. That's all. I know that I will get it. A million births is nothing. What is the value of that darshan? So they were astounded and they went back to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Mahaprabhu, they found in him some eagerness to know. What did he say? 
while previously he had acted as if he was not interested in him at all. What did he say? And they, and they explained that he began to chant, Hari Bol, Hari Bol, and he said, I will get, I will get. Mahaprabhu said, bring him here immediately. <laughs> so we have to be a little appreciative of what, what it is, what a high thing, how valuable, just a slight connection with that, how valuable that is. Shudra Marsh once told me that uh, such a, a little bit of association with this is such a great thing, like an atom. It's very small, but great power, great potential. So a little uh, association with this ideal, if we can capture our heart. And then in the course of pursuing that, then it may sometimes even seem as if we're going backwards. We want to go up, but it may seem as if we're going down. But we have to look from a broader perspective. And just as if you wanted to reach the highest peak in the Himalayas, then if you were to go there, you have to go through many foothills. And so your progress will go like this, up one foothill and down the next foothill, and up and down. So from looking closely, it may look, I'm going down. But from the broader perspective, someone who has vision will say, they're chanting, keeping up with this, they're going forward. You understand? <laughs> That's why great persons like, like Prabhupada and others, they seem to take lightly our conditioning and, uh, and all of our trials and tribulations. We're looking at them very closely. When you're looking very, when you're very close to something, then it's hard to see the whole whole picture. But from the broader picture, the broader perspective, and anyone connected with this, in some way or other, has to be making progress. One of my godbrothers posed the question to Sridhar Maharaj on his veranda, that or this, he just made this the, the statement, Guru Maharaj, yes, and uh, all this time I'm not making any advancement. He said, no advancement. You know this from Padma Purana. He said, yeah, you are an aquatic. You are as a reptile, as a tree, as a bird, as a beast, as a human. Now as a human, with a guru, connection with Mahaprabhu, and all these things, you say you're not making any progress. But what, from what vantage point? Are we looking? We're very close to the thing. Of a, we cannot see the whole picture. It's been going on for a long time. Vishnu John Maharaj, our Godfather, used to say that the distance we have gone thus far before coming to the shelter of our Guru Maharaj is far greater than the distance we have yet to go. The hard part is over now. We've arrived at his lotus feet. Here is only a short distance, even if it may take yugas. <laughs> it's a short distance, and really, we should be we should be prepared for that. We really should. Uh, it may come in a moment, but it may take yugas. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, in one uh, place, has said that moving through the different stages, from anartanivritti to nishta to ruchi to asakti, may take yugas from one to the next. <laughs> Well, we, the ideas of all this, in one sense, is we have to we have to stop thinking of trying to go somewhere, and be where we are, and serve, <laughs> serve. Like I said, there are no problems, only opportunities to serve. Yeah, living in the house, we have the deity. We're serving the deity. <laughs> where we have to go, 
Goloka, what does Bhaktivinoda Thakur say? That Griheta uh, Golokubhai. I saw my house turn into Goloka Vrindavan. Ami Jumuna Bulline Kodambukonani Kiheri Misakiyat. Amasham Vamsi. He went out into his backyard. He said, I, I st- This is a, another way really of saying the same thing, although he's talking about stepping outside of the house. He said, I went outside of the house into my backyard. And Ami Jumuna Bulline Kadamba Konani Kiheri Misakiyat. I saw the Jumuna and Kadamba along the banks of the Jamuna. Amasham Vongsi. I saw the Shamsunda with his flute and so many attendant gopis. And after singing the song in the end, he says, uh, he says, I'm not going home again. I'm never going inside that small door again. So, whether it be in the house or in the backyard, <laughs> the point is that... Uh, in one sense, having come this far to such good company of uh, real sadhu, like our Guru Maharajas, and really, in, in many respects, we've, we've arrived. Sometimes people want to encourage us to make progress, and that's good, but there are diff- different motives for serving the Lord. Fear, prospect, duty, and love. You follow me? People will serve out of fear of what may happen to them if they don't serve. People will serve out of prospect what 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 they will attain by serving, what positive thing they will attain by serving. Others will serve out of duty because it's the right thing to do, regardless of what will be attained or what may not be attained. It's the right thing to do. And others out of love. So, our ideal is to serve out of love. This is rag bhakti. This is duty is vaikuntha. It should be done, like Ram Lila, That is Mariada. Same idea, vidhi marg. It should be done, and we have so many, so many instances there in Ram Lila. Lord is acting according to dharma, even at the. It's so painful sometimes to see, but it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Banished Sita, or in the end, he thought it was the right thing to do. And then uh, somewhere we are, beneath that, <laughs> when you served out of duty, you'll know, I, I mean, I couldn't tell. And this is truly your only motive for serving. When you're serving only out of love, then you can know what is the corresponding reality of Vrindavan. So we serve out of prospect in this world, or we, or we serve out of, out of fear. Nowadays, there's some talk, a fair amount of talk about Raghunuga Bhakti, and and sometimes uh, we may get a little confused. Actually, the, who's talking about that is talking about what our ideal has been from beginning, the day we joined. We want to. Uh, I was as a young fellow in Los Angeles, New Dwarka, just shortly after I joined. Um, I was living there, and one devotee, his name was Mahapurush, I think. Some of you may know him, a god brother of ours. Anyway, he said to me, you know, most devotees don't go to Goloka Vrindavan, they go to Vaikuntha. He said, I began to cry. I thought, how is it possible? <laughs> we want Krishna. <laughs> hmm? I was interested in Vaikuntha. 
And all of us have that uh, kind of interest. That's why we joined at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But to get there, we should be a little patient, enthusiastic and patient at the same time. Now someone may come and say, you should be following Raghunuga Bhakti. And to, and to intimidate you by their enthusiasm, perhaps, as I've seen sometimes, you should be following, you don't know this, you don't know that, you're, not, you're missing out on something. What kind of motive are you being in, inspired by, by that kind of propaganda? Fear. fear. That has nothing to do with Raghunuga Bhakti. <coughs> You've seen the bumper sticker line, no fear, or they, or they wear it in a t-shirt sometimes, no fear. This is Raghunuga Bhakti, no fear whatsoever. Dealing with God in ways that people of Vaikuntha would be shocked, appalled almost. They would, ne- they would never go near. I had that. There's a fellow I visited in the Shingamar some years ago in his ashram in South India, beautiful ashram in South India along the banks of the Kaveri, the most pious place I've ever been. It just exuded piety. Not like Vrindavan, which is mystical and, and transcendental and, and, and uh, overtly looks almost unpious sometimes, but very pious. The climate was, this, was just perfect practically all the time. It felt like anything could grow there, and the river Kaveri is very beautiful. Anyway, it's a beautiful place. But from there, he took us to a Sanskrit school. And the head of the Sanskrit school was a Ramanuja Vaishnav, very nice man, and and Marj wanted us to meet him, so we did, and we did discussed various things, and and then uh, uh, he served prasad, very very pukka uh, householder, um, follower of Vishishtadvaita of Ramanuja Sri Sampradaya, and so we were all taking prasad and relaxing, and Maharaj said um, we were talking about Krishna. And he was happy, that man. He was very happy. And so then Mara said to him, you know, I forget his name. He said, but you know, Prabhu, one thing I noticed, whenever we're talking about Krishna, you seem, seem a little happy, smiling and charmed and so forth. He said, yes, yes, Krishna, and he chuckled. And then he said, uh, then Mara said, but whenever we talk about Narayan, then he said that you 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 you're not chuckling, and then he said, "That is another thing." He became like stone sober. That is another thing. Oh, I was taken by that to see his bhava. Do you understand? Narayan. That is another thing, like folding his hand. That was. <laughs> this is his his sentiment. He was a bhakta of Narayan. You could appreciate Krishna's incarnation of Narayan like, yeah, Narayan has a side, he does those things sometimes, uh, that's, but uh, that is not the main thing. Hmm. Awe and reverence. We have to pass through awe and reverence hmm, to come to, to that plane of love. If there's any tinge of fear, what to speak of fear in our motive for serving the Lord, what is our adhikar for Raghunuga Bhakti? Very meager, very, 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 very little. Still, we're on the path, but we are not very far along. And it said in it that um, you have to understand, Raghunuga is not an intellectual affair. It's an entirely affair of the heart. The heart has reached a stage of of 
of love, of enthusiasm, and this carrying one, isn't it? Without 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 thinking, this is the idea of Raghunuga Bhakti. When we read the statements in the scripture about the virtues of Raghunuga Bhakti, and we become enthused based on those scriptural statements about Ragmarg, why it's superior to the mighty Marg and, and so forth, and thus we become motivated by that to, to, to pursue the Ragmarg. We are actually engaging in, in largely in Vaidhi Bhakti. Why is it Vaidhi Bhakti? Because the impetus to pursue the Ragmarg is based on scriptural uh, directive. Do you understand? If you do this in the scripture, then that, that you'll get that. This is the this is the motivation. So to that extent, even you are thinking, yeah, this is the best thing I should do. It's a thinking thing, is my point. It's an intellectual affair. I've made a decision. See, Vaidhi, Vaidhi, Vaidhi very much relates to the intellect and the rag to emotion. So some even some of our garbhas left Prabhupada to go to the so-called ragmag, but it was entirely an intellectual exercise. That's why most of them became scholars at best. Not <laughs> real Raghunuga Bhaktas. Must be spontaneous. Hmm? Must be spontaneous. Yeah, yeah it, 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 the point is that, it, that it, of the four motives for serving God, the motive that, that underlies Ragmarg is love. So now you go around and ask any and every devotee you find, you examine them. You ask them, to be honest, you ask them, to what extent is your motivation for serving based on prospect of what you might attain by doing so, or more so, out of fear of what might happen to you if you don't? 99.9% of the devotees, if they're honest with you, they'll say, mostly there's so many fears, if I don't do this, this 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 will happen to me. What then you can understand? How, to what extent they have adhikar for Raghunuga Bhakti? Very, very little. Do you understand? So many of us, we are serving because if we don't, we think there will be a problem. There will be a fear. I'm just saying to give some idea. What is that? We should aspire for that. That's another thing. But where we are in relation to that. Therefore, Saraswati Thakur would make those kind of statements. Not that we shouldn't give our effort and so forth, but to be too eager... In this life, he said, just to sit and do bhajan, he said, that will be suspect. He wanted to emphasize, what a high ideal. Pujala raga raga patagoda vabhange, matala sadhujana vishayarange. I said, this is in, in a nutshell the idea of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthitaka. Keep that thing above your head. It means not that you don't know about it. You aren't theoretically somewhat acquainted with the ideal, certainly. But keep it above your head. It means to situate yourself in such a way as to revere that, to worship that, to to, to serve that. After all, it's 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 all about um, we say avaroha panta descending. That means it's it has to, we have uh, pratyaksha. Uh, what is it? Paroksha, aparoksha, adhuksaja, aprakrita. Four kinds of knowledge. Paroksha means knowledge from this uh, we can acquire from uh, the senses, paroksha, or from extension of our senses, the senses of others, we can gather information. 
knowledge. Uh, aparoksha means the, the inverse of that, the converse of that, the, to go inward for knowing rather than outward for knowing. So uh, a, a mystical way of knowing, yoga, uh, spiritual practice, paroksha. Adhoksaja, there's another thing. That is knowledge acquired not from as much as anything we do, but from the other side, from from reality's side, he exercises himself in relation to us. That we call descending knowledge. From, from paroksha we can get ordinary knowledge. A paroksha we can get some mystical knowledge. But to know God, uh, Bhagwan, then that, that we call Adhoksaja. Sridharmash once gave a nice example. Like UFOs. He said, you've heard of the UFOs? Yes. <laughs> he said, they say that they come and they show themselves to someone. But no one else in the family can see that. They show themselves to whom they want. And then they disappear. We've all been touched to some extent by this, this uh, the absolute exercising himself in relation to us. This is the idea of Atoksaja. We're like UFO, you know, abductees of sorts. Uh, you know, exp- we, 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 we've, we've seen a UFO and uh, we try to tell everyone else and no one will listen to us that we're going to join the join up group of other people who have also seen. In this way, we're constantly researching that experience. <laughs> What's that about? So this is this is the beginning of the bhakti. That means vaikuntha, and then aprakrita. That is Vrindavan. That is ragmark aprakrita. Adhoksaja means also it's overtly different. Vaikuntha is overtly different and apparently transcendental. It appears very much wonderful and transcendental. And aprakrita means. It looks ordinary. It looks mundane, but it's not. It's very transcendent. This is Krishna Lila. This is Vrindavan. In order to come very, very close to the Absolute, then God has to take on an, an ordinary appearance to make that possible. Otherwise, if I knew I was sitting next to God, I would say, oh my God, there would be some distance. So we have to pass through all these planes of knowledge. Hmm? We have to understand what, what is our motive. So we, we cannot be, we should be cautious not to be in, intimidated out of fear to take the, the ragmarg. That is a back, an entirely backwards idea. You understand? The motivation is love, no fear. And practically everyone you can talk to in the Gaudiya Vaishnava community all over the whole world, 99 percent of the people, if they're honest with you, they'll admit a fair amount, some part of my motivation for serving is based on fear. You have to pass from there to where you're, you have no fear, but you're based, it's based on prospect, what I'll attain out of, to, out of duty, regardless of whether I'll attain or not. I'm prepared to do that joyfully to, out of love. I can't stop doing that. Can you, can you skip the process? Hmm? <coughs> can you go from the first to the fourth? Um, not really. 
we will pass through all of those. Different uh, shades of that. To go to Golok, you have to pass through the, the, the Viraj, uh, through the, the past the Brahmanda, through the Viraj, through uh, Brahman, Bhaikuntha. Look, it's mentioned like this in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Pass through all the, uh, those stages. We know if Kram uh, Kram, step by step, Gopukumar went through all different phases. The book is telling us something. It's a distant ideal. You see, this this is like the book we were talking about, Aesthetic Vedanta, a book I wrote several years ago. There was some talk about Ragmar going around quite a bit at that time. So, and some people were saying they only knew persons who knew about that, and and that uh, and that their guru was giving knowledge that had never been given before. And I, so I thought, I may I write a book about this subject also. So. Somewhat with that in mind, I, not the only motive, but it was partially my motive. I wrote that, that book. I wrote it in such a way, in, in the context of the book, and it's three chapters, but in the second chapter I've explained the whole of the Raspanchajai, five chapters of Krishna's Rasalila. All verses with explanation is the center. And then the first part is an ori- what I call well, some again, a conceptual orientation to who is Krishna, what is Rag, what is Vrindavan, all these things. And the last chapter, how to pursue that. So it's written in such a way that if one reads that, one will become so attracted to Krishna. He will think such, uh, such good reasoning to serve Krishna. Krishna is so charming, so compelling, so much I would like, that's what I want. And at the same time realize, oh, where I am in that and how high it is. Somehow we have to make this kind of combination. We were that uh, enthused to such a extent, to such a proportion, that while knowing at the same time where I am, I, I don't lose enthusiasm, even though it's very far away. And I apply myself appropriately that I might attain that. Yes? I was going to ask about the um, factor just causes mercy, because all of those steps are reality, they're there. But where we're at, we're not really there, and it seems we're going to take a hell of a long time to really get there. So I was wondering, so we don't feel discouraged. Not ah, discouraged, it's a long time, because you got your seatbelt on here, more or less in devotional life, um, where we came from. It was obviously material energy, material maya. Then you got the spiritual world, so this transition, it's a long haul. So I was um, wondering about causes mercy or grace, where um, that that comes into play all along. I realize, but is there benedictions or special mercy where someone doesn't really reach that, but can still get that by the grace of the Guru without having to go through it? In Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, while discussing Bhava Bhakti, then uh, Rupa Goswami, of course, makes that that point that. That the, the general course is through sadhana, much of which he's explained thus far at that point, because now he's in the section on bhava bhakti. Sadhana bhakti had already been explained. Sadhana bhakti he is defined as that exercise, that practice, the fruits of which is is bhava. So, in a sense, we can say 
if I've attained bhava, that I've done sadhana bhakti. That, that exercise is complete. So that's the general course. And what is bhava bhakti? Uh, among other things, sudulava. Sudulava means very, very rare. Very rarely attained. If one is, and I'm answering your question a little bit long way, but if one is practice sadhana bhakti nicely, then two things should happen. Two qualities of, of, of Shuddha Bhakti should be uh, apparent in, in, in such a practitioner. Kleshagni Shubhada. Kleshagni means miseries are gone. What is misery based on? Avidya, ignorance, that perpetuates karma from aparabdha to prarabdha, from unmanifest to manifest. We are talking about this very issue how far it is and how long it takes and, and so forth, even before your question, before you came in. I was also explaining how, from a broader perspective, someone who has a broader perspective will see that, oh, you're making nice progress, even when you think things are going so slowly. I gave some examples. But another point along this, this line is that with regard to the troubles in our life that is a result of our karma that is unmanifest in the seed stage, about to bear fruit, bearing fruit, this body, our disposition, this is all our parabdha karma. That's what it is. We've been practicing for some time and we see our, that, that our karma hasn't, hasn't gone away. When we come under the jurisdiction of guru, it's not that the karma goes away at the time of initiation, but it, it comes under 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 management, just like it, we live in a credit card society. So sometimes people maxed out on their maxed out on their credit cards. What happens when you max out on your credit card? It means that you don't have a life of your own because you're just working to pay pay those bills. You're just working in order to pay those bills. There's no there's no freedom to spend on on anything else. You've already bought that stuff and it's already no good and you don't even want it anymore. <laughs> and now you have to pay for it. So there's a system in, uh, in the credit economy that you can declare bankruptcy. So when you declare bankruptcy, then the, the court appoints a lawyer and you come under the jurisdiction of such an attorney and then he, on behalf of the court, negotiates with the creditors. And he says, so... We don't have to give you anything. What will you settle for? He's under the protection of the court now. You can't stop calling him up and harassing him with all those uh, telemarketing type people that try to track you down, debt collection type. <laughs> stop calling him. He, you, he, he owes you something. All right, we admit that. Do you owe anything to the court? Yes, everyone's indebted to the court. Then makes a negotiation. So something is paid down, but not the full full price. And, the, and the, the person under the protection of the bankruptcy court then has a chance to have a life. He can pay something, and he has a life. So in, in bhakti, we come under the guru. He takes some responsibility. That means he gives parameters in which we should live. And remaining in those parameters, then he's managing the debt, 
and negotiation, negotiating with the creditors, and slowly over time, it's paid back. And this, the debtors, the debtors are those uh, even unknown to us, the aprarabda, for example. It's not even begun to manifest in the seed form yet. So may, we may wonder, how are we making any progress? Are we going anywhere? The way in which this karma is eradicated is from aprarabda to prarabda. Means that which is unseen, millions of reactions of lives, lives of karmic reactions that you're due, you'll never see. You don't feel it, because it has. But it's that burden of that has not even begun to manifest, but it's there, huge burden, and that's being relieved by your practice. You're thinking, I'm not making any progress, but again, from someone who has a broader perspective, you're thinking. <laughs> So many lifetimes of, of aprarabda uh, karma that has not manifest yet is, is being eradicated. You're dealing with, you get to the point you're dealing only with the prarabda, the manifest karma. Oh, then you've come such a, a long distance. So in sadhana bhakti, kleshagni, this is one of the symptoms of shuddha bhakti, pure devotion, that it, it frees one from all distress. Distress is the result of, is, is the karmic cycle that we're in. So one who is fully applying himself in sadhana bhakti will reach this point. And Shubhada, life becomes uh, auspicious. And Rupa Goswami, Jiva Goswami is explaining different types of auspiciousness. What a real sadhaka. He says, a real sadhaka. There's only sadhaka. He's not a bhava bhakti yet. He's not a prema bhakti yet. will be a joy to the whole world. He has all good qualities. The whole joy world will be overjoyed by his presence. You know, the, the, the qualities of Shuddha Bhakti are sixfold. So these two manifest in Sadhana Bhakti, Kleshagni Shubhada. Then we come to Bhava Bhakti. And, and Bhava Bhakti is Sudurlava and Moksha Lakshanukrit. It makes Moksha look insignificant, it makes Mukti look uh, like a small thing. And when we hear Bhava Bhakti's writing about the insignificance of mukti. We, we, we hear that intellectually and we think, yes, but it's, it's really such a big thing. Mukti is such a huge thing. That's why people who haven't, weren't, we're introduced, in our, in term, most of us, in terms of our very spirituality, interest in it, to go to Vaishnavism. Some of us, our first introduction, uh, in any formal way to spirituality, it was Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So we, 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 we buy into all these things very easily, and it's very easily understandable to us. But, but people who had never heard of Prem Bhakti, for example, at the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and following the Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha, and to say that Moksha is, is an insignificant thing, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami says that in Chaitanya Charitamrita, he's explaining Bande Sri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sohodito Urodai Pushpavanto Chitro Sandotamunado His Namaskaras Gaur Nityananda, they're appearing like the sun and the moon simultaneously dissipating all the dark darkness of ignorance He says, what is that darkness of ignorance? Tarnam Kaitova Senam Kaitova Its name is, is, is cheating and it's fourfold. Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha. This is mind-boggling. He says the, the desire 
for sense gratification, the desire for um, economic development, the desire for religiosity, the, des- the desire for liberation is all ignorance. This is all kaitava, all the dark, darkness of darkest of the dark. Uh, and Prima Bhakti comes to illuminate the heart and free it from this. Uh, so these are shocking statements. They're easy for us to, like I said, embrace and buy into, but at the time they're just shocking. Such a thing. You're saying such a thing about about all these ideals of life. So, uh, Baba Bhakti, they write, Prema Bhakti, they write about how Bhakti, uh, Prema Bhakti belittles, Baba Bhakti belittles liberation. It's a very high thing. And Sudulubha, very, very rare to attain. These two aspects of Shuddha Bhakti, they will become manifest in the Bhava Bhakta. Then there are two other aspects of two other qualities of Shuddha Bhakti that uh, Krishna Karshani has the power to attract Krishna, to conquer Krishna. And it, it that, uh, happiness is full of happiness. He says, Rupa Goswami, it makes the happiness of Brahman man, man, multiplied a trillion fold appear like, uh, like a drop compared to the ocean. This is the kind of thing we're after. So it will take some time. It conquers Krishna entirely. Amsarva Siprabhago. I mean, the source of everything. Everything. So, the general course is through practice, through sadhana. And that's uh, also we get the practices. That's mercy that we even get the practices. We would hear about them. You know, Prabhupada said in his commentary on uh, the verse from Gita, second chapter, Krishna is saying that this dharma you should uh, practice with one-minded intelligence, fixed intelligence, if, if, uh, resolute in purpose, and so forth, to, to be successful. And Prabhupada comments in uh, he says, yasya prasadat bhagavat prasado, yasya prasada nagati kutupi. He quotes Vishwanath Chakritakur, who mentions this is his stanza. And Guru Vastakam, by the mercy of the spiritual master, when we get the mercy of Krishna. So Prabhupada is saying there that that one-minded intelligence means, he's kind of advocating kind of a Guru Bhakti in a, in a sense. He's saying, this is, a, fix your attention here. Guru means that, that Krishna is everywhere. But Krishna comes to us locally in the form of the guru, just just tailored to suit our needs. That Krishna, that manifestation of Krishna, we should pay all attention to. So, by getting his mercy, we get the mercy of Krishna. Prabhupada used to say, my only credit is that I strictly follow the order of, of my Guru Dave, therefore all, I'm having all this success. So, he had quoted Vishwanath, and Vishwanath, in his own commentary on that verse, makes makes a similar point. But, Interestingly, he says that, therefore, all these practices given to me by my Gurudev, hearing, chanting, remembering, and so forth, I never give these things up, ever, at any time, and with he's, he's expressing some type of determination, and so forth. So in one sense, he's identifying the mercy with all these practices that have been given. It's like... 
I think I gave the example of the day, if you're at the bottom of the well and someone throws a rope to you, you, ha- you do have to hold on to the rope tightly as your part. Still will be pulled out. With the experience is that it's mercy, but some holding on very tightly is, is also important. So, after explaining anyway that uh, that the uh, what uh, that you can attain this bhav, and, uh, and which is a ray of the sun of prem, and ultimately prem bhakti by uh, spiritual practice, you can attain sad, bhava by sadhana and sadhana by cultivating that bhava, or prema by cultivating that bhava. He also makes the point that sometimes you can make only by kripa. Well, sadhana siddha, kripa siddha, uh, also nitya siddha, three types of siddha. Was, and he gives some example how by, by, by kripa, special kripa, one can make progress. So that's possible. But he also advises us that something like this, to put it in a modern context, um, don't bet on winning the lottery. I mean, you could win, and you might play it, <laughs> you know, every now and then buy a buy a ticket. But you can't live your life based on on winning the lottery. That will not be a good proposal. So yes, to make a long uh, uh, answer to an important question, and uh, it's possible by mercy. But in one sense, the mercy is is the, is the very practice that that he, that's been given to you. If I throw you a rope in the bottom of the well and say grab it, and you say, "Well, I, well, that's too hard." Maybe I'll make another means. Maybe I'll climb right down there and put you on my shoulders and pull you up myself. If you say, I, "My hands are broken. I I can't," it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. But we should live in the world more, as if. My progress depends upon practice while fully knowing that I can practice all I want. If I don't have the mercy, it's, it will not be possible. The Dhammadar Leela of Krishna instructs us about these two important points, practice and mercy. That's in many, one, of the, one of the important aspects of that Leela, one of the important principles or tattvas to draw from that charming Leela so that we can apply it in our life and enter into the Leela. This is an important point, just as a side point. We should discuss it about Krishna. But what does it mean to discuss about Krishna tastefully when the whole thing is about taste? Right? The whole thing is about taste. So there's a way to talk about the tastiest thing that's not very tasteful. That we, are, we, we avoid that. You understand what I'm saying? And there's a way to talk about it tastefully. In our stage, we should talk about Krishna Leela in such a way that we draw some philosophical import from that, some practical insight as to how to orient ourselves conceptually and apply ourselves in practice. Some uh, uh, philosophical truth that should become part of our, our being, that's all part of that lila, that, that lila, as I said the other night, it's, it's, it's arising out of a plane of extraordinary uh, 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 knowledge. There's no... In the Leela, Leela is like uh, uh, like pregnant with, with knowledge, but there's no reason to give birth to it for the most part. I gave an example like, like the United States is the largest military-industrial complex, but you don't see the tanks and the missiles everywhere on the streets because it would impede the free flow of, of uh, 
peaceful exchange. If, if every time you, you turn the corner, there's a machine gun there, you know, a checkpoint, and so forth. But if the country's to be attacked, then there'll be missiles and guns everywhere. So in Vrindavan, Vrindavan is like that. There's a great, uh, so much knowledge is underlying that. Hmm? But there's no need to show it. It would get in the way. But if somebody from that land, a gopa, a gopi, a village girl, gopa's bad enough, village girl, you know, they don't get educated there. Even even the gopas, they don't get educated. This is the Brajlila. They're uneducated people, country bumpkins. That's why Nanda Maharaj could be bewildered by the fast talk of uh, Vasudeva and Devaki. Nanda Baba went to uh, Mathura with Krishna and Ram. And the only way that he could get them, gopis were falling in front of the chariot to stop them. Mother Yasoda was in a piteous condition at the thought of her son just going a few kilometers down the road to the big city of Mathura. Just a few kilometers. She could, couldn't bear the thought. But Nanda Baba, trying, he was the, he's the king of the cowards, so trying to bring some sanity to the situation, some sobriety, he, he promised, I'll bring him right back. I'll bring him right back. So based on the promise of their king, king of the cowards, they finally acquiesced and let him go. But when he was in the big city of Mathura, Vasudeva and Devaki, they, they, they hoodwinked him. They, they told, your son needs to be educated now. Now this time he's here and we've got a good teacher and, and every, everyone wants their son's some education this is on some level and, and somehow or other they, the city slickers, they fast-talked him and Nanda Baba came back empty-handed. How the inhabitants of Vrindavan felt. They felt nothing bad about Nanda Maharaj that he couldn't fulfill his promise because his, 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 his condition was more pitiable than theirs practically at that time. Hmm. I'm lost on that. <laughs> I think, um, were you saying that, that knowledge is there when they want to draw right. on it? Right. Yes. In Vrindavan, knowledge is there when they want to draw on it. They're all, they appear to be very ignorant people, but that ignorance is facilitating these, these kind of sentiments. It's a divine ignorance. All these sentiments are facilitated by the suppressing of that knowledge. If it should show itself, then that will be a problem. Even when Krishna's Aisvarya shows itself in Vrindavan, it only serves to increase their their sense of their particular love for Krishna. It doesn't it doesn't in any way get in the way, but for the most part, it doesn't show itself because it would be a problem. But my point is, if someone from there, a gopi, should come here like Rup Sanat and Jeeva Goswami and so many. We see they have so much knowledge. Nana Shastra Vicharanikanipanosar Dharma Samstapago Lokanamitakaranu Tribunayman Yosharanyakara That's like an ocean of knowledge. So what is that plane of Vrindavan? It's such a, such a high thing. Difficult uh, to, to, to attain. In Gamara Leela, 
like in all these discussing any of these leaders, we should draw some point from that, some philosophical point. Because that whole Leela is made up of that, actually. It's the canvas on which the art of Krishna Leela is drawn. So we have to pass through that. Hmm? Not that we have to learn so many things. I'm kind of, you know, like a philosopher type. And I don't mean in any way to say everyone has to become some kind of philosopher or something. But, we, but not, what we have to pass through to enter into the Lok is, is uh, so many planes of understanding, planes of knowledge. All knowledge is contained there. You know that Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur sent one of his disciples to the Western world, and when he returned, and he said that that uh, disciple said they have questions that we cannot answer. And Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, "From a particle of dust from the lotus feet of Gorakeshwar Das Babaji Maharaj, who was illiterate and could not read and write, he said, there's enough knowledge to drown the whole world." This was his response. What is that, that plane? So, when we discuss the Leela, and we should discuss the Leela, it should be in good company in such a way that we can draw some important point that's practical to us, uh, insight, that will further our sambandha, our proper understanding, proper orientation, which will then fuel our practice, by which we can enter into that the sentiment and the full experience and, and forget about the, the what's profound about it. What's profound about it is relevant to us. In the Leela, it's not of much significance. So in, it, so in Dhammadar Leela, this point comes up. We're talking practice and mercy, the balance between practice and mercy. I have to practice, but I have to get mercy. It's mercy that I get to practice and so forth. So in Dhammadar Leela, um, young Krishna is, is is tied up by Mother Yashoda. Jiva Goswami says in, in Gopal Chambu, I believe, with the ribbon of her hair, she's running to catch him, grabbed him, pulled the ribbon from her hair, tied him to the mortar, tried to tie him to the mortar, but it was two inches too short. Meanwhile, ladies, neighboring ladies, were all looking over the fence amused. Because just previous to that, they had told and complained to Mother Soda that your son is coming, stealing butter from us, and yogurt, and making... Uh, and, and she would say, well, why don't you keep it uh, you know, uh, out of reach? Because then he piles things, uh, uh, carts, uh, boxes together and, and uh, stands on those. And uh, she made many excuses and for him, and, and more or less denied. It couldn't be that my son is uh, is going out to others' houses and stealing. And but they were they were complaining about it, happily complaining. But while she denied it in every way, made excuses for him, she went home feeling there's a problem. What was her sense that the problem was? Not that it was a problem that her son was stealing from someone else, but that she thought our milk here isn't good enough. He's going outside. We're doing something wrong. Therefore, he's going outside. At least the neighbors are saying. Uh, so maybe it's true. She consulted with Nanda Maharaj. So he took the best cows from his herd and made organic grasses, special grasses for them, and a separate pasture for them. And that milk alone was taken in Damodar Leela. 
And during Dhamanar Leela, Mother Yastoda is home alone. She's the queen of the brudge, so she has hundreds and thousands and millions of assistants to serve Krishna in the household. But that Dhamanar Leela corresponds with the preparations that, which were annually going on for the Indra Yagya. And so everyone was out busy with the preparations for Indra Yagya, and the queen herself was home and cooking, nursing and cooking and the contradiction between the two. Having the milk is boiling over, she put the child down. She went to the milk. What kind of milk was that again? Special milk from special cows, from special grasses, just for Krishna. And Krishna's complaining still, having it put down and causing mischief and stealing the butter and giving it to the monkeys and being caught in the act and still denying it with butter all over his face and broken pot on the floor. Then she sees some fear in him. That, that she has instilled some fear in him. Then she becomes anxious. What is her anxiety? <laughs> I've instilled some fear in him. He might run away for good. The neighbors are saying he's going out and taking from them. I've made this whole arrangement to make better milk products so he'll stay here. Now I've scared him. He might run away and for good. So she started to chase him. <laughs> to catch him and tie him, and keep him there. Understand? This is the bond of her affection. So, racing after him, she's alone with him, she catches up to him somehow, and with one hand, the other hand, she pulls the ribbon from her hair and goes to tie it. And neighbors are all ladies who are around, looking over with joy, seeing this whole affair, and ready to supply rope. Here, here's some rope. Add this to your ribbon. One rope, another rope, another rope. Still two inches too short. It's said that cowherds people, when they have nothing to do, they make rope. You know, rope's important for herding cows. All the rope of Vrindavan, practically, was, was supplied. It wasn't enough to tie Krishna's two hands uh, you know, be, be behind the, the mortar. Two inches too short. And Mother Jasoda is perspiring and perspiring. And seeing her effort, do you understand? This is, we mean, like sadhana, the practice, her effort, and earnestness in that. And not only that, but the spirit behind it. What was the spirit behind it? Out of love, she wanted to bind him, keep him there. We do sadhana, but what is our motive? Sometimes We have so many different motives. To get it over with, to get it done, <laughs> so we can get on with life. <laughs> And so on. Uh, that one, that will not be. That won't capture Krishna. When saw the the, the 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 motive, we should chant Hare Krishna for the pleasure of Krishna, the pleasure of Radha and Krishna. Nothing else. We should think like that. I I had an experience that worth noting in this regard. When I was a brahmachari living in Los Angeles, then uh, in nineteen. In 1972 and 1973, Prabhupada spent uh, three months in the spring and uh, three months in the fall, both of those years. And I was I was there both of those years. So I became very attached to... I mean, in two years, I had one year, in a sense, of, of Prabhupada's association every day, hearing him give the class. I became so attached to, to being in his company and hearing him give the class. I used to stand next to his right ear the side of his Vyasa-san, and I would stand through every class 
And on those days, you know, I was only sleeping about five hours and going out all day and almost falling asleep at the wheel trying to get out there and, and sell books and, and so forth. So the last thing I wanted to do was fall asleep during the class. So I would, I would stand up and right next to Prabhupada's ear. And, and so then, you know, before the class, uh, uh, Prabhupada would chant Jai Radhamanava and we'd all be standing and I'd be watching him play the cartels and, and just... Uh, just uh, responding to the chanting. And then after the class, there would be a kirtan. And usually, some of the sannyasis or GBCs who were there visiting or even local, they would kind of vie for the microphone. Who would be the one to lead the kirtan you know, after the class? And there was a little bit of a ego battle and, and so forth. And so, on one, one occasion... During the uh, Radha Madhava chanting, Prabhupada's chanting, and I was thinking, I don't know anything about this Radha Madhava really. I mean, I hear so many things, but what do I know about Radha Madhava? If I know anything, I thought, I know this. These names, they please Prabhupada. He likes this. This gives him, he knows the significance of this song. So let me chant just, just for his pleasure with no other thought. I'm right, you know, next to his ear. <laughs> Right there, I can just go for focus right on. So I was thinking like this, very sincerely. I'm thinking, this is a chant for Prabhupada's pleasure. So after the class, then Sudama Maharaj and the Guru Kripa and Yashodananda, you know, they're vying for the microphone, and one of them got it. I think it was Sudama. He started the kirtan. Prabhupada stopped him and said, "No, let this boy sing." All eyes turned on me, and I led led the kirtan. It was, and I was like, well, you know, I thought, wow, Prabhupada is, I, 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 it kind of came to me, the, the, the tattva, the, the jnana of it came to the knowledge of what he was doing. He was saying, yeah, you got it, that's right. But that's the motive like that, out of love, you know, out of, to please Krishna. In this case, you know, I went as far to please Prabhupada, which is synonymous. Then, then next day, the class went, the kirtan, same thing went for the kirtan. Again, he stopped that fellow. Sanyasi said, let this boy sing. Two days in a row. So I thought, my Prabhupada teaching me something. You know, he's not saying I'm anybody special, but he's, he's teaching me something here. So with this motive, this, we should do sadhana. Out of love. We don't have any love, but we, we still we, we should think like that. We give pleasure to... to not, I shouldn't say even that I should chant my 16 rounds because my Guru Maharaj told me. Uh, that's okay, but you try to think... Well, we, we want to do out of love, as I said. This is the highest ideal. So you try to... Th- and we have some love for Prabhupada, for our Gurudev, for, for, uh, for, for Mahaprabhu. Prabhupada just say, you have love for Krishna. Why are you doing this? So we have some love. Sort of thing, for their pleasure, for the pleasure of uh, Radha Krishna, I will I'll chant Hare Krishna. You try to think like that. And so do my ears thinking. Out of love, I'm trying to bind him. This is her, her practice, her effort if you will, to bind him. He sees it's completely out of love. Then, that is one finger, one inch of the two inches that the rope was too short. This is the tattva. Practice, and that kind of practice. And when that kind of practice is there, then the other inch, kripa, comes. Krishna gave his mercy. Go ahead, tie me up. And suddenly, just with the ribbon, she could tie him. When previously she had attached so much rope, now just the, just the ribbon could tie him up. 
And what happened when Krishna pulled down the Yamalarjun trees? Yamalarjun, what happened when Krishna pulled down those trees? His hands are tied with uh, behind the with a mortar in between. Some young boys uh, by this time are in the courtyard, and he, he, he and he's tied up. And Mother Yasoda's thinking everything's all right, but she's wondering, "I've tied up my son. What have I done?" And so, mischief, mischievously with the other boys, he he gets up. He wants to show his strength. This is how they compete with one another, showing off. So he pulls the mortar and lodges it between the two trees and pulls down the two trees. What do we learn from that? The ribbon didn't break. You'd think the ribbon would break. <laughs> and the, No, the trees came down, the ribbon. What kind of ribbon is that? What kind of sadhana is that? And backed by Kripa, by mercy, this kind of bond with Krishna. So both things are there. and it, it is, We have to practice and we have to get mercy. We could go all by mercy without any practice, but we shouldn't live our life, as I said, as if we're going to win the lottery. That will not be a very wise proposal. And if we have trouble practicing, if we have difficulty, then the remedy for this, above and beyond anything else, is good company. Try to, try to find a good company. It will make it so much easier. If we can find someone who's practicing, and in that person we can see Sincerely, honestly, we can see there's some results from that practicing there. There's some, if I'm to look objectively, I think there's some result. Then I can think I'm in good company. And the fact of the matter is, in that good company, if we keep that, we'll, we'll find that we are compelled to practice. You know what it said? That this is a gradual process. So, so is cooking. If I come and I say, Jumuna, the lunch is ready, you say, it's coming gradually. And you're sitting down, and the fire, Dina uh, Tarani has not even started the stove. I think, what is it? <laughs> gradually, gradually it will cook if you put it on the stove. So stove means, fire means good company, sadhusanga. And, 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 and good company doesn't come just to pat us on the back and tell us everything is all right. Tell us something we've heard a thousand times. So we're bored to death, and we say, okay, I have the sadhusanga, now what? Not like that. Sadhu comes to disturb us, to make us think how troublesome it is. We go through the motion sometimes of sadhana bhakti, but we are unwilling to engage our intelligence and think about it, what it is, why we're doing it, what the import of it is. And what, we read the book, but what does it mean? What's the significance of that? We're not exercising ourselves until he comes and taxes us. And it's disturbing to some extent. It's unsettling. But that's... His or her business, the sadhu's business, to, to unsettle us. Because our tendency, our nature is to settle in, and we think, yeah, I know that, I know that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's Krishna consciousness. I heard that, I know that, I know that. We know nothing. Balabhtirtha Marsh said, uh, he gave some lectures on uh, this is the successor of Madhav Marsh. He said, um, he gave some talks on uh, Prahlad Leela. Prahlad Leela is, of course, very important because it speaks about Shuddha Bhakti, Kinchin Bhakti, selflessness. Prahlad was tested by God himself. Bhagavan Nusringa asked him, after it was over, the killing of Farani Kasipu, anything I can do for you? Prahlad said, no, I don't want anything. I'm going to get to China. I don't want anything. No, you want something. It was something you should take. 
No, no, I don't want anything. Bhagavan negotiating with him, pressing him. God is given, he said, look, it's me, God. I'm giving the darshan. Take something. That's what people do. That's what I'm here for. You know, the blessing. So, <laughs> insisting, he said, well, if I have to get, if I have to take something, you know what I mean? I ask you to give my blessings to my, your blessings to my father. So, Sanatana Prabhu and Bhagavatamrita, who wrote his own commentary on, the, on, the, on his own text, said, I see the position of Prahlad, Sadhana Siddha. The Nitya Siddha's bhakti is never tested. But the glory of the Sadhana Siddha's is bhakti is tested. In a way, he's, saying, he's speaking the glory of, of the sadhaka, Sadhana Siddha's. Tested by Bhagavan, he didn't want anything. Don't want anything. So we have to come to the state of not wanting anything before we can really say, I want something. That I can probably used to say, first deserve, then desire. For such a high thing, oh, you know, some qualification should be there. The heart should be emptied out of other aspirations and interests and so forth. So Balabhatirtamarsh, so speaking about that Prahlad Leela at some length, and I think his disciples published a little book of his talks about that. And when at one point, and they published it on the back of the book, his statement, he said, those who, have, who say, I have heard, already heard the Prahlad Leela. Yeah, I already heard that Leela. Can we go on to something else? He said, they have never heard it at all. You understand? They have never heard. They have never listened to it once, although they may, have so many ways, apparently heard it. They never, they never caught what was going on there. Yes. Oh, as you were speaking, I was thinking how when Shiva Prabhupada came to the place, all the shakti. Yeah. Everyone was in a state of readiness. Everyone knew change was going to happen. Because it was never predictable what she was going to say and do. Mm-hmm. And he had things moving at such a fast pace. Mm-hmm. And the devotees were running for that, just running for that change. Running to be chastised, running to be yeah. heard, running to absorb anything and everything that would come. To turn left, to turn right, sit up, sit down. It probably would have said, okay. Now burn all the books. Book distribution's over. We would have had a huge fire. And, uh, right, had a kirtan around it, you know. He's done. He did that so many times in so many ways. Prabhupada is often uh, um, depicted these, these days as being very uh, uh, static, very, uh, you know, dogmatic, set in stone, and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and but just a little common sense reveals that to do what he did, he had to be extremely flexible. And he had us in a very flexible position. It's just the dynamics, really, of the relationship between the sadhu and uh, and, and sishya, guru-sishya, uh, advanced devotee preachers and uh, and those who are seeking that company. He or she, the sadhu, should keep them on the edge of the seat. It may say, some, like I'm not much of a sadhu, admittedly, but I, 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 I try to do that. Sometimes I say things, you know, I purposely say them in a way that you never heard it before, and then you go, well, that sounds, well, is that right, or is that not right? And you think about that, or, 
and this is this is the what we're supposed to do. This is my you know, Prabhupada didn't want me to preach and he expected that of me, so the reason I'm coming here, duty bound to him. But this is the business of the sadhu to disturb us, to push us to push us just enough that we feel we're being pushed, but we know it's for our good. If we don't feel we're being pushed, we haven't really had sadhu sangha. And if we're being pushed and we don't feel it's that there's well wishing behind it, then we haven't had sadhu sangha either. Do you follow? Like if you sell the book to somebody, you know you have to push them just to the point where they're going to give just enough that they're going to feel comfortable with. They feel a little, a little, a little pinching. Giving means you have to feel the pinch. Otherwise, you haven't really given. Don't give from your surplus. A fellow came to, uh, a, a very nice Catholic man lives down the street from me, uh, and uh, half a mile or a mile or so, about a mile or so. And I go and visit him sometimes and, and, and chat with him. And he told me how uh, he had, uh, a friend had visited Mother Teresa before she had passed away. And um, he was inspired by her and he asked if he could give a donation. She said, yes, you can give a donation, but not from your surplus. In other words, if you want to give, then there must be some, some pinching there. Otherwise, you haven't given. So the sadhu has to, has to make us feel like we're being pinched, but uh, it's in our interest. It's good for us. That's the balance. And sometimes they just pinch. And <laughs> we can't care less about hearing about them. We can't feel that they really care about us. They're really interested in us. They're pinching so they can make a living, so they can have chapatis only, living in the name of preaching. This is not preaching. You know, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasri Thakur made a diorama of a man speaking the Bhagavatam. And then behind him was a sheer curtain that you could just kind of see through. And behind it was a, was wife and children and all these things. And the import of the diorama was... He's speaking the Bhagavatam. Not that householders can't speak the Bhagavatam, but he's speaking the Bhagavatam just to just to make a living. That's all. He's not a Kinchana. He's not a Sukadev. He's not like that. Selfless person should speak Bhagavatam. They'll have an effect on us. If the selfless person speaks Bhagavatam, we'll feel, if we hear from him over time, we'll feel some change coming in us, some motivation to change, to move. We'll feel that. It's not just the words, it's the backing behind that. 